Welcome to this week's Elite Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Adam Stock. To my American friends, happy Thanksgiving. I hope you enjoyed the day off, not only from real-life responsibilities, but from fantasy basketball as well. Fantasy basketball, it's a bit of a grind if we're being honest. It's always nice to be able to take a quick break here and there. The night off from basketball is very welcomed, especially by yours truly. We've got 13 games to go through today, so it's a lot of work, still real busy. If you're listening to this over the weekend, we are covering the 13 games that were played on Wednesday night. That means that we are hitting 26 of the league's teams, which makes this pod a great way to get caught caught up if you've been slacking on your teams lately. Before we get going, make sure that you subscribe to the pod wherever you listen to and follow me on Twitter at Adam G. Stock. If you don't already, you probably do, but I'll throw that in there just in case. Let's get into it. Our first game is the Nets versus Celtics. The Nets took this by 19, but the regulars did play their usual minutes. The Celtics waved the white flag early, though, so we got less than ideal lines from almost all the Celtics regulars. Patty Mills and LaMarcus Aldridge were the story on the Nets side. Patty had 23 on only 12 shots with seven threes. Mills is an awesome streamer until Joe Harris is back, but you really need to be careful with him. He does nothing outside of points and threes, so stay away if those cats are not toss-ups this week. Even in deep leagues, you don't want to drop anyone decent for him because once Harris is back, Mills will be about 2.5 threes per game and not much else. Fine as a long-term hold in 16 team leagues, but that's all he is. LMA, on the other hand, is a must-hold in all leagues, must-grab if he's still out there. He had 17-9 and with a steal and a block in 27 minutes. But really, the big news of the night was that he started and that Blake Griffin got a DNPCD. If LMA is going to start and play minutes in the mid to high 20s, then he could end up as a mid-round guy. It's pretty shocking development given how he looked last year, but we'll take it. He's been a top 90 guy in only 21.8 minutes per game, so we wouldn't need more than really 25 a night to be really, really useful, and that seems pretty likely at this point. Marcus Smart was the only Celtic starter who had a decent game. He had 20 points, 8 dimes, 3 threes, 2 steals, and a block. He was quiet to start the year, but he's back now. He's producing mid-round numbers again. Could flirt with the top 30 in punt field goal percentage. He hit that mark two years ago. If you're punting field goal percentage, try to trade for him before his next cold stretch. You'll likely be able to get him for a player that won't come close to matching Smart's finish in punt field goal percentage. Maybe you can swap like a top 70 guy for him. There wasn't much else to see here since the game wasn't that close. Schroeder did play 35 off the bench, but that was because the starters were limited. With Brown back, he's likely going to end up in the 29 to 30 minute per game range. That's going to turn him into just a back end guy as he's only been a borderline top 100 guy in 33.33 minutes per game. It's not going to be a drop, but he won't be all that useful. If you can move him for a true top 100 guy right now, I would do that. Next up is the Suns versus the Cavs. Cavs put up a good fight. They're short-handed, but the Suns ended up taking it by five. The Suns are one of the most boring teams in fantasy. I say that every time, but uh, it's worth repeating because it's a good thing. They're extremely predictable these days. Last night, Book at 35 on 21 shots with a couple threes. He's quite elsewhere, but it's hard to complain given that efficiency. It's been a borderline top 59 cat guy this year, a little better than that in eight cat. The dimes were there early, but he's slowed down there lately. It looks like he's going to settle back in as a four-point something assist per game guy. That's not too bad, but it takes him out of the early round conversation. I doubt he gets there without a Chris Paul injury, and I don't think that's going to happen. Um, maybe it does, like given his age, but uh, this diet change has really worked wonders for Paul. There's been no signs that he's wearing down. Paul himself had 17 and 12, and he's going to be a top 20 guy until the day he retires, really. Just made for fantasy. He's been a first-round player this year, and nothing that he's doing is super unsustainable. Steal rate's really good. Might come down a tad, but it's not like he hasn't been an elite steals guy before. Aiden had a really nice game. It's only been a top 45 player in nine cap, but he's going to rock it up the rankings eventually. He's had a very slow start in blocks. He's at 0.07 blocks per game, and he's also shooting 60.0% from the line, which is a fluke. If he was doing his normal thing in both categories, he'd be around the top 20 right now, even better than that in friendly builds. 
I would definitely trade for him in punt threes, punt assists, and punt steals. In those builds, he could flirt with the first round once his blocks and free throw percentage normalized. He actually got there in his second year in the league. And last year, he finished as a top 25-ish guy in those builds, despite being pretty quiet. His game is just made for those builds. Uh, Mikhail Bridges has been fine in 9-cat, where he's been top 65. But in 8-cat, where his microscopic turnover doesn't matter, he's been disappointing. It looks like the top-end steal rate that we saw early in his career isn't coming back. He's still a really nice piece in friendly builds, like punt points and punt assists. But he's not for every team punting one of those two categories. You need to be careful. If you are already in a great spot in turnovers, he's not going to be nearly as useful as his ranking suggests. Uh, situations like this is why we can't just look at the rankings and then pick our trade targets from there. We have to know our team's strengths, know our team's weaknesses. We always got to be on the lookout for overkill. Jay Crowder is a low-end standard league play if you're punting field goal percentage, but that's it. Everyone on the bench is just a streamer outside of super deep leagues, although I do like JaVale McGee in 16-team leagues for his big man numbers. With Jared Allen and Osmond back, Dean Wade played only 16 minutes. He can be dropped in deeper leagues, had a nice run, but it's over. Osmond had 23 with five threes last night. I don't mind him in 14 teamers for his points and threes, but in 12, he's just a streamer since the rest of his line is low end, and he's usually inefficient. Okoro played 34 and didn't do much. He's just so unproductive on a permanent basis that he's only going to be a back-end 16-teamer on nights when he's not playing close to 40 minutes. Love had 14 and 8 in 22 minutes. Love isn't going to play huge minutes regardless of who is healthy, but until Mobley is back, he's probably going to get a couple extra minutes, and he's worth holding in most leagues. Even in 22 a night, he can average close to a double-double with two threes and solid free throw percentage impact. Next up is the Warriors versus Sixers. The Warriors took care of the Sixers' B team without too many issues. Got off to a, a slow start, but they ended up winning by 20. Steph had 25 and 10 with six threes. That counts as a relatively quiet night these days. He's going to be, at worst, the second most valuable player in fantasy this year. The Kim and Jokic will be going back and forth all year long. Wiggins at 19 and Poole at 17. Both guys are sell highs. Not must sell highs, but you probably want to move on and maybe squeeze out a little extra value. I wouldn't be selling either for pennies, but neither is going to be a lock to be a top 100 player once Clay is back. They're going to probably lose a minute or two, and they're definitely going to lose some usage. If you can get out for, like, say, a top 85 guy the next time they go off, I'd probably do that. Dre, on the other hand, is a buy low. He's been good this year, but his ranking is being dragged down by a fluky poor start at the line. He's a phenomenal buy low target in punt points. When he really gets going, he'll have first-round upside in that build. That's what we saw over the last uh, half of last year. I believe he was the top five guy over the second half of last year or something ridiculous like that. Otto had 12 with four threes off the bench, but unfortunately it came in only 19 minutes. The Warriors, they're going to play it safe with Port all year, so I can't really see him being more than a streamer, even if some injuries happen. I don't think that if they had some injuries on the wings, like Wiggins went down, they're not going to all of a sudden play auto 28. So even in deep leagues, I hesitate to view him as more than a streamer, even though he's playing pretty well this year. Uh, no swipes for Gary Payton last night, but he continues to be one of the best steel streamers in the league. I absolutely love him as a streamer. I picked him up and dropped him like four times this year already. He does nothing else, though, so he's not really a hold outside of something real deep like 18-team leagues. Seth Curry had a nice game against his brother for the Sixers. He had 24 points and two steals. Didn't have a three, which is a fluke. He's been a top 80 guy this year, and nothing he's doing is really all that sustainable. Although his free throw attempts are a little higher than expected, I expect those to come down slightly, and he might lose a round or two of value there. But a top 100 finish, still very doable. He's kind of like last year's Joe Harris, if you remember, and he should be on a roster in all leagues. Those guys can give you 2.53s and shoot close to 50 from the field. In category leagues, not so much in points leagues, but in category leagues, that's pretty valuable. 
Matisse Thibault had seven points, five boards, two dimes, three steals, and two blocks. At this point, we should treat him as a mid-round guy. If he was dominating points and dimes instead of steals and blocks, people would be going nuts over him. You could get some very flashy guys for him, but because his contributions come in the non-popcorn categories, people got... A lot of people at least kind of view him as just a low-end guy, which he is absolutely not. He's been a border top line top 35 player this year in nine cat, and he's ranked inside of the first round in punt points. Think Nerlens Noel when he really gets going. That's basically Thibault is basically the wing version of him. Actually, probably a little better. Danny Green had a nice game off the bench with two threes, four steals, and a block. Didn't start which is something to watch, but I'd still grab and hold for now just to see how the rotation shakes out. Definitely possible that Thibault keeps uh, starting, but Danny should have a decent role either way. Should play close to 25 a night, which doesn't sound like much, but it's enough to keep him useful in all leagues for his threes and D stats. He's a pretty nice uh, permanent player, even at his age. And beats back soon, but don't even think about dropping Drummond. Had a quiet night last night. He's a full year hold and a must roster for Embiid owners. If you have Embiid, you have to trade for him. Have to trade for him. On the flip side, if you have Drummond but not Embiid, then make sure that the Embiid manager gives up a mid-round player for Drum. That may sound like a lot and not realistic, but you have all the leverage in that situation, and I guarantee you that the Embiid owner is going to be at least a little desperate. I had to check like four different sites to make sure I was seeing the correct score, but the Rockets somehow beat the Bulls last night. I know the Bulls have been coming back down to earth, but big yikes. Uh, Tice was benched in other rotation, and the Rockets went with a small ball lineup with Tate at the four and Gordon at the three. Since this got them a rare win, I would expect this to be the setup, at least uh, for the immediate future. Uh, Shengun played only 16 minutes, which was unfortunate, uh, but I would count the night as a win because if he ends up being ahead of Tice going forward, his nightly upside is going to be a lot higher. I'm sure there will be more nights like this where he's stuck in the mid-teens and is putting up a so-so line, but maybe he gets a good run against teams with more legit bigs. Vucevic was back last night for the Bulls, but he played limited minutes and they went small with their non-Vuce lineups. Uh, Shengun needs to be rostered in all leagues. If you can't take the stash, try to trade him before dropping him. Uh, the uh, cat is out of the bag with him. People know he's a high upside player, so someone should bite. KPJ was back, and he had 14-9 and nine with horrendous efficiency, both from the line and the floor. Six turnovers, too. That's very KPJ. Not a must to hold. He's only somewhat useful in a couple of builds, and he's not exactly lighting the world on fire in punt field goal percentage or punt free throw either. It's not like he turns into a top 50 guy in those builds. In points, Lizzie solid. In Roto, he's a clear drop, as no sane Roto team is going to be running a double or triple punt, which is really the only area where KPJ can be useful. Tate played 21 for the second game in a row. That was pretty disappointing. It's been disappointing lately, although it's more about the minutes. He's still a solid player. He hasn't been a top 200 player over the last month. I'd be dropping in 12 and in 14, super expendable as well. For now, in 16 team leagues, I would hold on. As mentioned, Vooch was back for the Bulls. He played 26 and had a double-double with plenty of extras. His usage is down this year, but he's made up for the dip by doing more elsewhere. The second round is still very possible for the big man. I'd be pretty happy with the start. There was a lot of uncertainty there, but we haven't got the big drop that some were worried about. He was out for quite a while with COVID, so don't be surprised if it takes a few games to get his minutes to ramp up. Crusoe is back as well, but he came off the bench. Fortunately, it doesn't matter where he starts the game. The minutes are still going to be there. He had 15 with three threes and two steals in 33 minutes. He's a must roster, even in very shallow leagues. I'm talking 18 eight team leagues. DeMar had a very rough game, but I wouldn't blame Vooch's return for it. His usage was fine. Just building a brick house. It was like DeMar in the playoffs with the Raptors. I'm getting scary flashbacks just thinking about it. He's been a top 20 player so far. You can call him a sell high since he's having a career year, but I'd probably just ride it out since 
getting a top 20 player for him is going to be very tough. Uh, DeMar's reputation is so, so, so he's never the easiest guy to sell, even though he's been rock solid in fantasy forever. In punt threes, don't even think about selling. He could be, end up as a first round guy there. Next up is the Lakers versus Pacers. This one went to OT. Lakers went up behind a big night for LeBron. Apparently, he didn't like getting that suspended. Uh, he came back from suspension, went insane. He had 39-6-5 with a ton of extras. It's nice to see a really massive game from James because he's been kind of quiet to start the year. Been pretty good in fantasy, but it was due to a steal rate, just kind of overachieving. That was never going to stick. His popcorn numbers, which have been his bread and butter basically since he entered the end of his prime have been so so it's hard to trust his body at this point in his career but it seems like he is healthy at the moment we just got to cross our fingers at it last uh, no ad last night but westbrook still wasn't really able to get loose his boards and dimes are going to come down now that lebron is back i'd be selling as soon as possible he's as he's coming off a mid-round stretch in nine cat and an early round stretch in eight cat uh, unless the lakers suffer more injuries i'm not sure we're going to get another big stretch like this for a little while if you can get out for a top 50 player i do it i do it soon too because all it will take is just a couple of ugly games for his trade value to plummet again you know how westbrook gets blamed for everything even when he plays well THT had another garbage line. He's fine to drop in 12-team leagues. Another team, he'd be interesting, but with the big three healthy, I can't see him being more than low-end. He's not a catch-and-shoot guy, and he needs the ball in his hands to produce quality fantasy numbers. Guys like that just don't work on LeBron teams, especially those that have a Westbrook on the roster as well. Melo was cold last night. He's now just a low-end option in 12-team leagues. Not a must-drop, not a must-hold either. Uh, before dropping, I'd try to sell, though, just for any top 100 player. Uh, try to do it after the next big game, although I doubt you'll be able to pull it off. On the Pacers side, Brogdon led the way with 28 points, 7 dimes, and 5 threes. He's been a top 25 guy this year, but given how hard he's faded over the last two years, it's hard to get too comfortable. I'd be trying to sell high. Start with the top 35 player, which I doubt you get, but start there and go from there. Sabonis so had a double-double with 6 dimes. The dimes were nice to see, but unless he starts getting over 5 a night, closer to 6, he's going to be just a top 50 player this year. He's being used differently this season, so I have a really hard time seeing him living up to his ADP outside of real friendly builds like punt free throw or punt threes. I think in those setups, you'll be pretty happy. Levert was terrible again. He had 10 points with 13 shots and really not much else. He's a buy low, but I wouldn't be giving up a top 80 guy for him. Makes me a little nervous. Maybe a top 100 guy. It's hard to bet on mid-round numbers given his injury history and the fact that outside of last year under a different Pacers coach, he's never really been that valuable in fantasy. He's kind of like Spencer Dinwiddie, who you look at his popcorn numbers, you're like, eh, this guy's okay. But then you look at the rest of the line, you're like, no, actually, get this guy off my team. There's just like a touch of KPJ in him, and I really don't like that. Duarte played 30 minutes and took 18 shots. Only scored 17, but we'll take it. I wouldn't call him a must-roster as he struggled since his ankle and shoulder injuries, but he's definitely a must-watch in 12-team leagues, and I would definitely want him on a roster in 14-team leagues. doesn't necessarily have to be yours, but in friendly builds like punt assist, I still think he can be pretty useful, even if he isn't quite as good as he was at the beginning of the year. The Raptors got a much-needed win against the Grizzlies. The entire starting lineup played very well, with all five starters scoring at least 17 points, including Precious. Trent had 26 and continues to be an early-round player. His steals are cooling off a little bit, which is not super surprising given his past and given the fact that his steal rate was insane for the first three weeks of the year. Uh, however, given that he's playing 35 a night, the top 50 is still very possible. Those Nick Nurse minutes just work wonders for fantasy. He's a sell high, but I would want something real nice for him, like a safe year in, year out top 50 option. And you probably aren't getting that. So in most cases, I would just ride it out and cross your fingers. 
Precious had 17 with three threes. The triples are a fluke. Before last night, he only had four on the year. No Bercher OG last night either, so I wouldn't be adding him. To me, Precious is just a 16-team player for teams punting a percentage or two, maybe real deeply punt um, points leagues where the percentages don't matter as much, but he's really just not that useful in fantasy. Speaking of not that useful, Boucher only played six minutes despite the Raps missing a couple big pieces so he can go in deep leagues. Just not happening this year. No Melton again for the Grizzlies last night, which helped Bang get 33 minutes. He took advantage. He had 20 points with four threes and a steal. Needs to be rostered right now, but he's eventually going to end up as just a back-end option in 12, so try to sell for a legit top 100 player. Bain was really trending in that direction fast before the Melton injury. He was putting up a couple weeks where he was like top 160. Probably just not going to be that useful because he's points threes and not much else. Had a nice steal right to start the year, but that's really fallen off. Kyle Anderson played 24 minutes, which is about a ceiling right now. It's unfortunate, but that just looks like the reality as long as JJJ is healthy. Definitely needs to be watched in all leagues, and he'd be a must-grab if JJJ were to go down. But for now, he's just a 16-team league option. I wouldn't even bother in 14. Brandon Clark is another player that needs to be watched real closely. He had a down year last year, just wasn't that good in real life, which was a switch from his first couple years in the league where he was limited minutes, but he was really good. Uh, this year he's back, back to being a top end per minute contributor. Played 26 last night and he had 16 points on 7 for 8 shooting. Also had 8 rebounds. Clark's been a top 100 player over the last two weeks and only 19 minutes per game. That's not easy to do. Over that stretch he's averaged 9.3 points per game, 5 rebounds, and 1.1 blocks while shooting 71% from the field. Should be grabbing 16 team leagues and 14 team leagues. He's viable, although I wouldn't call him a priority add. If he starts playing even 24 a night, then we can talk about adding him in 12 and 10 team leagues. Bucks versus Pistons is next. The Bucks are looking good again now that they're mostly healthy. Uh, they made light work of the Pistons last night with Drew, Giannis, and Portis all going off. Portis had 28 and 10. It's been awesome this year, but he will lose a lot of minutes when Brooke is back. I would still sell high, even though I know it's pretty tough because he's been playing so well. Uh, I'd aim for the top 80, which is likely a stretch, and then go from there. Don't worry if you don't get any bites, though. He should still be a clear standard league player all year long. Just might settle in as a top 120 guy. Maybe he can get into the top 100 in a friendly build. Grayson Allen had a very rough night with only three points on one for six shooting. He also picked up an ankle tweak. Hopefully that doesn't cost him time. Uh, like Portis, Allen is a sell high. You probably should have done it already. Although, unlike Portis, you need to make the move ASAP. Um, Allen has fallen off hard since the Bucks got Drew and Middleton back, and it's only been a top 165 player over the last two weeks. Still ranked inside of the top 75 on the year, so you may be able to get a top 100 option for him. If you can, that's a win because he's probably not going to be more than a back-end 12-team guy at best once DiVincenzo's back. No one played well on the Pistons side except for Trey Lyles, who can be ignored outside of the deepest of leagues. Cade had 9 points on 10 shots, although he did have 8 boards and 7 dimes. He's a major buy-low target to me, although how aggressive you should get with him depends on the build and your setup. His efficiency is likely going to be an issue all year. It's not hard to picture him shooting like 41% from the field, uh, so I wouldn't be targeting him in Roto. Um, could still... Finish high up in the rankings, but just taking that percentages hit is usually something I try to avoid in Roto. However, in points leagues and in head-to-head punt field goal percentage setups, I like him quite a bit going forward. When his field goal percentage doesn't matter as much, he won't have too many holes in his line. Turnovers will be a little high, but that might not even matter depending on your build or if you're playing in eight category leagues. Um, his line is going to get real pretty real fast if he can't even get into that 41% range. Right now he's around 37. That's probably a lot to go up. Not too many guys shoot 37% from the floor, and most rookies always uh, trend up as the year goes along. They start shooting 41, 42. You probably, you'll probably start 
seeing him in the mid-rounds. Uh, Garza started, played 22 and did nothing. Maybe out of the rotation when Stu's back next game so he can be dropped in deep leagues. He's just something to keep in mind for March and April. Maybe someone gets shut down and he starts playing 25. He could probably put up some decent numbers on offense. He's talented offensively. Um, block rate was okay in college, so he could be useful. Corey Joseph got another start, but he only played seven minutes. He came in with an ankle issue, and with the game getting ugly pretty early, the Pistons basically gave him the night off. It was an unfortunate night, but assuming that he is somewhat healthy, uh, Joseph is still going to be an excellent streaming option for his dimes and steals until Killian Hayes is back. Frank Jackson only had six points off the bench in 23 minutes, and he also left with an ankle injury. I'd hold for now until we get more news in 16-team leagues, as he's been a must-roster player in leagues that deep lately. But if he does have to miss time, then he can go. Things are going to get pretty tight for Frank once Hayes gets back. Our next game is the Wolves versus the Heat. The Wolves got back to 500 with a big win over the Heat. Edwards at 33, but that wasn't the big story. The big story was Malik Beasley going off for 29 and getting 37 minutes. Got some extra run because Pat Bev left with a groin issue. That's going to cost him at least one game. Given how fragile Beverly has been throughout his career, it would not be surprising if this was an extended absence. There hasn't been too many times in his career where Pat Bev came back earlier than expected. I would add in 14 team leagues. In 12 team leagues, you can add as well. But in that setup, you have to be really careful who you drop. If you have your streaming spot available, then yeah, sure, throw him in there. But once Bev is back, he'll go back to being useless. So don't drop anyone with a decent outlook for him. Bev is a hold in all leagues, even if he's out a week or two. Uh, maybe he's a drop if he's out a month or something like that. But there's been no indication that it's that serious just yet. It's been too good to drop. He's been producing mid-round numbers before going down. Uh, Vanderbilt also had a big night with 8 points, 15 boards, and 4 steals. I really like Vanderbilt. I'm happy to see his minutes going up slightly, although I don't fully trust him yet. He's been interesting all year long. I would say he's in must-grab territory after this game. Not safe by any stretch, as his minutes have been up and down, but his upside is pretty significant. So you have to grab and just see how it all shakes out. He's been a top 50 player over the last two weeks, and I do think he has mid-round upside, although I do doubt that he's going to realize that just because the Wolves like their depth. They like playing around with their forward rotation. He's actually a much better grab than Beasley, although I bet Beasley's uh, ownership percentage spikes more uh, due to his history and the fact that he's a points guy. Everyone on the Heat was bad, so we won't spend too much time on them. Duncan Robinson had 17 with five threes, which is nice, but the efficiency was terrible. It's not a must roster to me in 12. In 14, sure, he should be added, but in shower leagues, he's just a streamer. He's only been a late round guy because he can't seem to get his field goal percentage out of the 30s. Lowry's the one other guy on the Heat that we'll talk about from a fantasy standpoint. He's been fine. He's been top 75 this year, which is pretty close to his ADP. His ADP was only slightly above that. However, he still feels like a buy low because he's been pretty passive on the offensive end this year, passing up a lot of shots that he was taking last year. Uh, That's left some of his managers a little frustrated. Uh, So maybe you can call them up and see if they'll willing to give you a slight deal on him. I think that will change eventually. Uh, I'm a Raps fan. I saw him go through a similar stretch in 2019 with when Kawhi joined the Raps. He was deferring early before getting a little more comfortable and upping his usage later in the year. I think he's doing that right now, deferring a little bit more to Jimmy and Bam than he normally would. You might not be able to get a great deal on him, but if you can get him for like a top 80 guy, I think you'll end up turning a tidy profit on that. 
The Pelicans absolutely destroyed the Wizards by 25. The Pels and Rockets getting dubs against playoff teams made this probably the weirdest night of the year. They may not win on the same day for another month or so. Ingram had 26 on good shooting. He's a buy low. He's ranked outside of the top 100 on the year. It's because his steal rate is coming way low. And his efficiency has been terrible, which is likely tied to the lack of talent around him. Zion coming back should help him bounce back. Be careful not to give up too much for him, however. Uh, the... Pelicans' horrendous start puts a late-season shutdown in play. They're 4-16, and 16, so it would take a miracle for them to even get in the uh, playing conversation. Zion's good, but he's not that good. Josh Hart had another excellent game with 16 points, 7 boards, 4 dimes, and 2 steals. He's a must-grab in all leagues. He'll get squeezed a little bit when Zion is back, but until then, he'll be real nice. He's top 70 on the air, and he's been trending up. I call him a sell high, but you won't be able to get anything for him. He's Josh Hart at the end of the day. Uh, just ride it out and hope that Zion doesn't affect him too much. Herb Jones had four steals and seven boards. He's a nice steal streamer, but I wouldn't view him as a long-term hold in deep leagues. He's averaging 1.3 steals per game on the air and nothing else. Nah had a nice game off the bench. He only played 23 because a big chunk of the fourth was garbage time. So the third stringers got some run. But he did manage 12 points, six boards, five dimes of steal, and two threes. It's a real nice line, and he should be held in all leagues for now. That could change as it's unclear how big his role is going to be as a reserve. If he starts losing minutes, if he starts playing 25 a night, then yeah, he'll be a drop. But for now, we want to hold on and see how this shakes out. The move to the bench is not necessarily a death blow to his value. In fact, it could be a bump because he'll spend less time playing beside Ingram. So far this year, he's been solid in punt field goal percentage, but just a top 150 guy outside of his best build. No one played all that well on the Wizards side. Beal had 23 on 20 shots. He is an excellent buy low target. He's not going to be as good as last year because the new rules are costing him some free throw attempts, but most of his issues just come down to him not making shots. That's a lot to eventually change. He's not going to continue to shoot 26.7% from three. The Wizards also have an outstanding playoff schedule in, in some setups. They have 4-4-4 four, four, four in one of the most common setups. That really adds to his appeal. I try to swap an overachieving uh, early round player with a shaky track record for him. Maybe Miles Bridges, if Miles Bridges goes off again at some point. Uh, Kuzma is terrible. He's been pretty bad lately at 7-5-4 and in bad shooting. Still a standard league guy, though, but only above the streaming line in punt field goal percentage and punt free throw percentage. If, if you're punting, say, uh, assists, even though he would gain a little value there, I wouldn't want him just because I wouldn't want to take on the double hits. In points leagues, he's solid. In Roto, I don't even think he's rosterable. He's kind of like KPJ. You, you need to punt multiple cats or at least one to make him useful, and you're probably not doing that in Roto, and even then he's not that useful. Uh, Dinwiddie had a messy 11, 8, and 9. He's another guy who kind of falls into the Kuzma bucket. He's not that useful. He went 2 for 8 from the field and had 3 turnovers. He's been falling off pretty fast, and I'd be trying to move him for any top 80 guy. He's now ranked outside of the top 100 in 9 cat. His game's just not that fantasy-friendly. He's like going to end up being a back-end option in category leagues. I could see him putting up nice popcorn numbers and still being like a top 140 guy. That's just due to the nature of his game. He's good, but not great points, threes, and dimes. And then a gigantic field goal percentage and steals hit. Yeah, the good doesn't really offset the bad, unfortunately. KCP had two threes and a steal. He's averaging 2.0 threes per game and 1.4 steals per game this year. That's enough to make him a strong 14-team add. In 12, he's more of a borderline guy. But if you're punting one of his weak cats and need threes and steals, go ahead and add him. Gafford only played 15 and was quiet with 8 points, 2 boards, and 2 blocks. Games like this are going to happen sometimes because he's not a big minute player. But for now, I'm holding in category leagues. That playoff schedule is pretty tempting, although uh, Thomas Bryant uh, could ruin it, of course. But but we'll see. We'll deal with that 
when it happens. Right now, you just kind of got got a hold because you're not going to get anything for him in a trade. He still has value and friendly builds for his field goal percentage, impact, and block. So he's not completely useless. In points leagues, though, uh, he's very droppable. Next up is the Jazz versus the Thunder. This will be a quick one just because both teams are fairly straightforward from a fantasy standpoint. The Jazz had a surprising amount of trouble with the Thunder, but they did end up pulling it out by six. Clarkson was the leading scorer with 20. He's been bad this year, and Gaz hurt him a little bit. So I'd be trying to move on from the sixth man of the year, ideally in a trade. But I don't think he's going to have much value this year outside of punt field goal percentage. So you might end up just dropping him. I won't do that just yet. Uh, in punt field goal percentage, maybe can be a borderline top 100 guy, but a lot of players kind of fall into that territory. That's where that's really Dylan Brooks' territory, and I don't think anyone's given up anything for Dylan Brooks. Gay at 15 and 5, but only in 16 minutes, so he can't get too excited. He's not going to play a ton this year. Might uh, top out at like 22 a night on nights when he's really rolling. Uh, probably per game, he's going to average around 19, 20. That's enough to make him worth holding in 16 team leagues for his points, threes, and boards, but it does take him out of the shallow league conversation. Uh, there wasn't anything too interesting going on with the Jazz starters. Mitchell had an off night, and everyone did their usual. On the Thunder side, it was a Lou Dort kind of night. He had 27 with five threes on eight for 19 shooting. He's really hard to trust, and I doubt he's a standard league player all year long since he's useless on nights when he's not shooting the lights out. But with SGA out for at least a couple more games, it's questionable for the weekend, but it doesn't sound like he's going to play. He should be rostered in 12-team leagues. In 10, I still view Dort as more of a streamer. Just Giddy is also going to bump with SGA out, uh, getting a lot more usage. His assist rate is spiking a little bit. He had 19, 7, and 8 with three threes. He's just a low-end option when SGA has been healthy. He's just been late around like top 150-ish lately. Uh, but he should trend up as the year goes along and should eventually be a top 100 player in friendly builds. I'd be trying to hold him through rough stretches. In Roto, I wouldn't be starting him when SGA is healthy just because he does have a lot of holes in his line. He's more of a head-to-head guy who can become useful when you get rid of one of his weak categories. Jeremiah Robinson Earl continues to surprise as one of the more out-of-nowhere guys this year. It looks like he's going to continue starting going forward. He had 13 points, 10 boards, 4 dimes, and 3 triples. He's a must-add in 14-teamers. And at this point, I don't mind taking a flyer on him in 12. I wouldn't be dropping anyone decent for him because I don't trust him at all. But if you need boards uh, from a big man and aren't too worried about one of your big man spots being filled with a low field goal percentage, a low blocks player, then he's solid kind of produces a unique line for a player who spends most of his time at center. Over the last two weeks, he's been a borderline top 100 play, and he's averaged 9.3 points per game, 1.6 threes per game, 8.3 rebounds per game, and 1.0 steal, steals per game. That doesn't jump off the page, but that, that seems useful to me. We're making some real good progress. Only got three games left. Next up is the Hornets versus the Magic. The Hornets won 106-99. Uh, the Hornets pulled it out behind a monster game from Terry Rozier. I hope you bought low because that buy low window is slammed shut. He's put, put up two first round lines in a row. Rozier at 27 last night with three threes, five assists, a crazy six steals and one block. Uh, Rozier's turned around a big way in a hurry and is now posting top 90 numbers on the year, despite not even being a top 200 guy for the first couple weeks of the year. He's ranked inside the top 55 in punt field goal percentage where he was likely drafted in a lot, in a lot of leagues. Those rankings should continue to go up as a shooting, although it has improved due to the recent big games. It's still below where it should be. He's probably not going to shoot as well as last year because that was a career year, but he's still going to go up another couple percentages. I would not be surprised if he cracked the top 40 in punt field goal percentage. 
Gordon Hayward somehow had 1.3 boards and 2 assists, went 0 for 6 from the field in 25 minutes. I would write this off as just a fluke, it's nothing to worry about. Despite the massive dud, he's still producing top 65 numbers on the year, which is real solid given that he's lost touches to both Miles Bridges and LaMelo Ball. Speaking of Bridges, he had 11 points on 5 for 16 shooting, but made up for it by grabbing 9 boards, dropping 6 dimes, and blocking 3 shots. Also added a steal. I'm not worried about him, even though he's been struggling from the field lately. I don't know if he's going to be the top 25 guy going forward that he has been so far. But as long as he's playing 37 minutes like he has, it's going to be really, really hard for him to not be at least top 40, especially given how large his role is in the Hornets' offense. Kind of the same situation as with the Raptors. When a coach is playing a guy a million minutes, it's almost impossible for them to not be very valuable. Fantasy is not always about who plays the best. It's often about who is playing the most. Like Gary Trent, has he could easily end up as the top 40, top 50 guy this year. Is he top 50 guy in the league? Not even close. Oubre had a nice game with 21 points, 3 triples, and 6 boards. Seems like Oubre goes off every 3rd or 4th night, but the big games, they're not offsetting all the rough nights in between. Still just a streamer in 12-team leagues. I get a lot of questions about him, but he's just a streamer to me. I'm not going to recommend him as a long-term hold over anyone. In 14-team leagues, he should be rostered as he's just been a borderline top 150 player this year. On the Magic side, Franz Wagner had a nice bounce-back game with an efficient 16-7-4. To me, he's been a hold through the struggles just because it's tied to some fluky poor shooting due to how big his role is. I'm uh, more willing to give him a little more leash uh, than some of the other rookies if he can even shoot 42% from the floor, which is probably pretty likely. He'll be useful due to his defensive numbers and how he can give you a little bit in points and in threes. Both uh, Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba had nice games. Both picked up double-doubles. Both guys will still be useful when Isaac is back, but both will lose a little something. I bet Bamba loses more minutes because he's the worst real-life player, even though he's a better fantasy option. Suggs was pretty good with 17-4-6 with a couple of defensive contributions. The efficiency was ugly, but with Suggs, we can't get greedy. Uh, We'll take whatever we can get. In 12-teamers, he's fine to stash, but only in punt field goal percentage. Anywhere else, he's not worth the field goal percentage hit. I would drop him or see if the putt field goal percentage manager in your league is willing to give you a low-end guy for him. Even if we ignore his 33% shooting, he's still ranked outside of the top 200 on the year. It's not like he's killing it in putt field goal percentage. Nothing too interesting's happened with the Magic bench. Hampton had two nice games in a row, but with Gary Harris back, he, his minutes dropped to 22, and he posted a dud. Uh, if he's playing minutes in the low 20s, he's not going to be very useful, even in deeper leagues. Hampton's Kind of interesting because he can produce a pretty unique line, but he's more of a guy who might make some noise in March versus someone who's going to be valuable anytime soon. The Kings got a win last night too. What a weird night of basketball. They beat the Blazers by four. No Rashawn Holmes last night, so Alex Lund started and played 17 minutes. Bagley got the bulk of the backup minutes and had 10 and 8. Both guys can be ignored for now in deep leagues. Gentry played the bench a little more than Walton has, which is something to watch, but it's too early to say anything definitive. Davion Mitchell played 30 and had 16 points, 3 dimes, and nothing else. Okay in 16 team leagues, but he's just a watch elsewhere. As long as Fox is healthy, he has no upside. Buddy, who had been struggling a little bit lately at 22 and 29 minutes, his role has been the same under Gentry, which is good because it's been pretty beefy this year and has made mid-round numbers uh, possible. Hasn't been a mid-round player up to this point because of some recent shooting struggles, but he clearly has that upside this year. Harrison Barnes was quiet, and he hurt his foot late and didn't return. If he has to miss any time, Bagley will get some extra run, although I wouldn't add him outside of deep points leagues. He's just not made for category leagues. 
Barnes is someone I'm watching closely. It's been trending down lately, and the coaching change worries me a little bit. Not because it's a lock that his role changes, but because the possibility of a role change is now there. The old setup under Walton was perfect for Barnes. That may or may not be the case under Gentry. We're dealing with a small sample size, but Barnes' usage rate has been down under his new coach. Dame didn't get the win, but he did have 32 points, 10 assists, and three threes while going 15 for 16 from the line. We absolutely love to see those free throw attempts. We need his attempts to come back where he's going to struggle to be a first-round player, even if his shooting continues to correct itself. We're not out of the woods yet, but Lillard has been a top-five player over the last two weeks. He might be back. It's too early to say for sure, but the last two weeks have been very encouraging. Norm Powell had a big game with 22 and five threes. He's locked in as a mid-round guy. I love Norm. Nurk had his best game of the year with 28, 17, and 5. He also played 32 minutes, which is awesome, but that should not be the expectation going forward. Nurk's body just isn't meant for big minutes and will likely go back to the mid-20s next game, which is fine as he can still be a top 50 player with that much run. If his free throw percentage holds up, which is a big question mark as he's only shot better than 65% once in his career, he's currently shooting 77% thanks to an excellent stretch over the last two weeks where he's sitting at 95%. Covington only played 15 minutes because he got tossed early. He somehow recorded zero stats outside of a turnover and one missed shot. Um, if he's dropped, and he probably will be in a lot of leagues by impatient owners, he's, he should be scooped up. He's still a must-hold in all leagues. Before last night's disaster, he was flirting with the top 80 in nine-category leagues and heating up a bit, especially in blocks. Nance only played 19 and didn't do much. He's a drop outside of very deep leagues. He needs multiple injuries to be useful. I, I know he's a tough drop because he always seems to be a drop and then come back and be a mid-round player. But right now, we just like the lines are so bad, we just can't take the hit. Nas Little had 16 points on 7 for 10 shooting with a steal and a block. Little is not a high upside guy, but he's been doing enough over the last couple of weeks to be worth rostering 16-team leagues and worth considering in 14-team leagues in 12. I view him as only a streamer. Over the last 14 days, he's been a top 120 player and has averaged 11.4 points per game, 1.3 threes per game, 5.9 rebounds per game, and 1.0 steals per game. Our last game of the day is the Hawks versus the Spurs. The Hawks took this one by 18. Trey led the way with 13-11, and then the scoring was spread out pretty evenly beyond that. Capella had 11-13 and 13 with five steals and three blocks. Awesome line. The steals are a fluke, but the rest of the line is not really a surprise. He's turned it around after a slow start. He's been a top 20 guy over the last two weeks. If you're planning on buying low, you probably missed your shot. Herder started but only played 25 despite the so-so night he should be on a roster in 12 team leagues he's a better add than reddish and gallo herders averaged 14.8 points per game three threes and 3.5 assists per game over his last four speaking of gallo he had 10 points and nothing else but he did go eight for eight from the line what he does at the charity stripe is what makes gallo worth considering as a back-end option in 12 team leagues He's not high upside in his current role, but given how hard it is to find difference makers and free throw percentage on the wire, uh, he does have some value. He should be on a roster for sure in 14 team leagues. Reddish had 12 and two threes and nothing else. Reddish doesn't contribute in enough categories to be a 12 teamer, and I would not call him a must have in 14 team leagues either. It's just a low end points, average threes and steals guy who drags you down in all the other counting categories and field goal percentage. On the Spurs side, the starters played big minutes despite the score. Murray had another monster game. He's locked in as an early rounder. His breakout feels very legit to me. He's not doing anything too unsustainable. His rise is mostly due to his minutes, jumping to about 35 a night and his offensive responsibilities going up. I would not be selling high. 
Derek White struggled on offense and only had 7 points and 12 shots, but he helped his managers by picking up 2 steals and 2 blocks. We haven't got the breakout that we were hoping for from White, but he's still been pretty useful this year. He's been ranked inside of the top 109 cat, and he's ranked inside the top 70 in punt field goal percentage. As long as you put him in a friendly build, he's probably been an okay pick for you. Keldon Johnson had 15 with a steal and two threes. His steals have fallen back to his career norms lately, which has turned him back into just a top 150-ish guy. Fine to hold in 12-team category leagues, but he's only going to be really useful in points leagues. Good real-life player, but just not made for category leagues due to all the holes in his line. Uh, Devin Vassell went down with a quad contusion. He needs to be held in all leagues unless his timeline is super ugly, which I don't think it will be. It didn't look too bad to me. Uh, despite the game dragging down his averages, uh, the Spur has now been a top 65 player over the last two weeks and a top 50 player in punt assists. Probably going to see his minutes jump from 25 a night to the upper 20s at some point. Not sure when, but it will probably happen at some point with the Spurs not really in the playoff race. That could turn him into an absolute monster down the stretch of the fantasy calendar. And with that, we're done 13 games. I'm losing my voice, which is not a big surprise, but it was a good night, good pod. Thanks for sticking around with me on Thanksgiving weekend. I hope it's a good one and that your fantasy teams come through and make it a stress-free one. No one needs a 3 for 15 shooting performance killing their mood on a holiday. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the pod wherever you listen to. I'll see you next week, folks. Thanks again for listening.